cedar and the acacia tree, the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the cypress tree and the pine and the box tree together that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. For the Lord says, as I have brought my remnant church even through the battle, the Lord says, I'm bringing times of refreshing, times of reprieve, even in the midst of war, even in the midst of deep intercession, even in the midst of labor, even in the midst of wielding your sword, the Lord says, I'm bringing a rest to my people for they have cried out for a cool drink of water. And the Lord says, I've heard your prayer and I've heard your cry for the refreshing of my spirit. The Lord says, I'm bringing, as it were, rivers in the desert. I'm bringing rivers in my house, says God. And I'm bringing a refreshing that would take away the weariness And the Lord says, I will cause, as it were, even as I release my seven spirits upon you. The Lord says, I will plant seven trees, even in the midst of the desert. And the Lord says, they shall bring variegated fruit. And yes, I shall plant the oil tree, even in your midst. For the Lord says, in the time of refreshing, I will bring, as it were, even the oil of my anointing to not only recondition you, reinvigorate you, but the Lord says there is a fresh anointing and there is a new anointing that I am releasing. For the Lord says, I am planting these trees even in the desert and I will cause, as it were, fruit to begin to manifest where you would say there is not that kind of tree. For the Lord says, I will confound the wise And I will bring the fruits of the trees of my spirit, even in your midst, says God. You will taste and see that I am good. And you will know that my hand has done it. For the Lord says, I will cause you to be as it were, even in the palm of my hand. And the Lord says, I will rescue you. I will refresh you. I will renew you, says the Lord, even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of the heat of battle, says God. For the Lord says, I would refresh you and renew you that you would find rest in my presence and know that I am with you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him glory. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb.
He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. He's worthy, he's worthy. Worthy is your name, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy is your name. Hallelujah. Just begin to pray in the spirit. Begin to pray in the spirit. Glorify your name, 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 glorify your name. Glorify your name, glorify your name. Glorify your name. Oh, Rabba Rabba Bashiya, Rabba Rabba Hey, Rabba Rabba Hallelujah, glory, glory, glorify your name. Glorify your name. Glorify your name. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Give him praise, church. We glorify, we magnify, we glorify, we magnify your name. Be exalted, oh God, in the heavens. Be exalted, oh God, in the heavens. Thank you for the refreshing. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the refreshing wind of your spirit. Thank you for the refreshing wind of your spirit. Father, thank you for fresh oil. Anoint 
your sons and your daughters with fresh oil. Thank you for planting the box tree in this desert, God. Thank you, God, for planting the oil tree in this desert. Father, pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. Father, we eat of the fruit of the trees that you planted in this valley. Father, we thank you for fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil. Pour it out, pour it out. Father, I thank you for your angels, even in this place. Pour out your oil, fresh rain, the fresh rain, the fresh rain of oil, the fresh rain of the anointing, the fresh rain of the anointing. Hallelujah. Pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. Anoint your remnant, God. Anoint it with fresh oil. Lord, like the wild ox, like the wild ox, like the wild ox. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. Pour it out, pour out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray for this woman right here. Can you come on out here? What's your name? Kim. Kim, can I pray for you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Lord says that I am bringing you out of a season of grief and mourning. The Lord says it's a time of refreshing that I'm bringing you into. The Lord says no more weeping, no more mourning. For the Lord says, though man has forgot you, I have not forgotten you. The Lord says that though you found yourself to be even as it were like an orphan, the Lord says, know that I've made you my daughter and I've esteemed you greatly. The Lord says, I'm lifting you up for such a time as this. And the Lord says, though you've raised the white flag and said, Lord, I surrender. The Lord said, that is what I needed you to say. That's what I needed to hear, says the Lord. The Lord says, as you surrender unto me, the Lord says, I'm going to take over the ship. The Lord says, I'm going to direct your ship into a safe harbor. And the Lord says, there'll be no more worrying, waiting, weeping. For the Lord says, I'm going to bring you joy, even in the night seasons. For the Lord says, I've seen your tears. I've heard your cries, even in the night season. But the Lord says, know that I am your healer. I am your deliverer, says God. And the Lord says, I am lifting you up. But the enemy has tried to put you in a coffin of death. But the Lord says, I'm lifting you up. I'm bringing you out of all heaviness, all depression. The Lord says, don't fear for want. For the Lord says, I shall have provision for the vision I've given unto you. And the Lord says, don't look 
back. The Lord says, even as Lot's wife looked back and turned to a pillar of salt, the Lord says, don't look back. For the Lord says, I'm pouring in the oil and wine. The Lord says, I'm healing your soul from trauma. The Lord says, I'm healing your soul from rejection. The Lord says, I'm healing your soul from the pain of the past. For the Lord says, peace you shall know. For I'm speaking peace. And the Lord says, shalom shall flood your soul. Shalom shall heal your spirit. For the Lord says, I'm restoring your soul. Even in this hour, says the Lord, for this is a marker I'm setting. Even now, says God, the Lord said, don't look back. Don't turn back the page. Look ahead for I'm turning the page. The Lord says, I'm putting a banner over your life. And it is the banner of restoration. I'm restoring the years the canker worm is eaten. The Lord says, I'm restoring the relationship. You fell have been broken and unfixable for the Lord says I'm bringing forth you into a new season I'm redeeming the time I'm restoring you I'm refreshing you and the Lord says don't look at the old for I'm doing a new thing shall you not know it for I shall confirm it even in a dream says the Lord the Lord says I'm going to reveal to you in the night season that which I'm doing and you said Lord can this really be true And the Lord says, I'm also breaking off every spirit of grief and heaviness that the enemy has set against you. For the joy of my strength in my arms, in my presence, you shall know, says God. For the Lord says, as you abide in the secret place, I will remove the tears and fears of days gone by. And the Lord says, I will cause you to have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. For the Lord says, because you've weathered the storm and because you haven't given up, the Lord says, I've seen you peek your head into my sanctuary. And the Lord says, I'm drawing you in. The Lord says, for the best is yet to come. For joy shall fill your heart. I will redeem the time. I will redeem your seed, says God. And I will heal the days the enemy has stolen. The Lord says, rejoice, for this is your day. For it's a new way. It is my way of restoration, says the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Amen. Keep praising. Keep praising. Keep praising. Keep praising. Oh, Hey. Oh, we glorify, we magnify, we glorify. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for the lady. In the, you were just about to sit down. No, come out. With a gray shirt, gray and white shirt. Yes. Come on out. You're trying to hide. You're not going to hide. No, 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 no. God's got a blessing for you. What's your name again? Lynn. 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 For For the Lord says, Lynn, you've been content with sitting in the back. You've been content with your station. And the Lord says, you've been faithful in that which is little. And the Lord says, know that I am anointing you for the days ahead. For the Lord said, there is a restoration that I'm doing in your family. And the Lord says, I'm bringing healing. And the Lord says, even as you've walked with a meek and quiet spirit, know that it will it will rescue and it will be a witness, as it were, to those even in your household. And the Lord says, because you've not railed and you've not complained, The Lord says, I've esteemed your words. The Lord says, you've been careful with your words not to speak against authority and you've 
not spoken against me. And the Lord says, know that your words of faith have been registered in heaven. And the Lord says, I've heard every prayer. I've seen every whisper that you've given and that you've prayed unto me. And the Lord says, know that I'm collecting your tears in a bottle and I'm causing you to arise and be refreshed even in your prayers, says God. For you've lifted many prayers up to me. And it's seemingly like there's been no fruit, but the Lord says, know that your season of harvest is coming. Know that your season of harvest is coming. And the Lord says, I'm, I'm going to bring you out. And the Lord says, I'm, uh, the Lord says, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you by yourself in the fight. For the Lord says, I will bring other warriors uh, next to you that you would pray together, say together, even my promises that I've given unto you. And the Lord says, uh, th- these are the days of, of coming out. For the Lord says, the glimmer in your eye is just but a sign of the morning star that's down deep within your heart, that's rising up within you. And the Lord said, you've been a silent witness, but the Lord says, these are the days of the lion. And the Lord says, I'm going to cause a roar to come out of you. The Lord says, you have been silent in prayer. And the Lord says, I'm going to cause you to roar in prayer. The Lord says, the effectual fervent prayers of my righteous daughter shall be heard. And the Lord says, I'm releasing a spirit of might and boldness upon you that you would not whisper, but the Lord said, but that you would roar in the spirit. For the Lord says, your effectual prayers, even your violent prayers, the Lord says, will begin to shake and quake even your household and cause a redemption and a renewal and a shaking up. For the Lord says, there needs to be a shake up for there be a change up. And the Lord says, I'm going to cause a change to happen in your house, but it shall become through the roar of the lion. So the Lord says, roar for me, roar for me, roar for me, says the Lord, for I will cause, as it were, my redemption. For the Lord says, the, the, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent taken by force. And the Lord says, the violent prayers that come out of you will rescue your seed and cause a change, a turning of the tide. For the Lord says there is a generational blessing for you for the asking. Ask for it. Ask for it. And I will cause the blessing of generations gone by to descend upon you, to be a blessing to you, to be a refreshing to you. The Lord says, though you've raised your banner, you've raised up a flag that is white and said surrender. Lord, Lord says, know that your surrender to me is very pleasing in my sight. And the Lord said, because you walk in humility and the fear of the Lord. The Lord says, know that I'm your closest companion. And the Lord said that my eyes are upon you, for I've looked to and fro throughout the whole earth to show myself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards me. The Lord says, I've found a perfect heart in you. And the Lord says, know that you please me, says the Lord, and I will answer by fire in the season to come, says the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. It's good to yell and shout. Amen. Bible talks about that you shall cry out like a man of war. How many know we got to wear that cloak of zeal? The cloak of zeal. The cloak of zeal. Hallelujah. Keep praying. Keep praying. Don't worry. I'll get to the teaching. Don't worry. I'll get to the teaching. Hallelujah. Jacqueline, could you come right here? I'm not going to make you walk all the way up front. Can I, I just want to pray for you. I just want to bless you. I just want to bless you. Amen. Just relax. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
But the Lord says, I've heard your cry. And the Lord says, I'm pouring in my wine of healing. The Lord says, I am removing and I'm rebuking every spirit of confusion, every spirit of doubt. And the Lord says, I'm going to cause a spirit of faith to rise up within you. The Lord said, the enemy has tried to halt you, to make you stop. But the Lord says, I'm taking you off of pause and I'm putting you into play in this next season. The Lord says, I'm going to resolve the questions in your heart. And the Lord says, I'm going to cause the meditations of your heart to be sweet. For the Lord said that the enemy shall not haunt you in the night seasons, nor taunt you with lies. For the Lord says, I'm judging the spirit, the lying spirit that's been trying to whisper to you lies that would keep you bound. For the Lord says, I'm removing chains of bondage off of you that I might heal you and that I might use you. For the Lord says, the days of glory are yet ahead. The Lord said, let go of the past, for I'm removing the handcuffs. I'm removing the shame. And the Lord says, I'm causing, as it were, my grace to be upon you. And the Lord says, you shall walk, as it were, as my, as Queen Esther walked, says the Lord. For the Lord says, I'm extending my scepter to you will you approach my throne for in drawing near to me the lord says i will silence every other voice and the whisper of my spirit will sound like many waters the whisper of my voice in your heart will bring consolation and comfort to your soul the lord says receive of my grace receive of my rest says god for rest is what I have for you. The Lord says, I speak shalom to your mind. I speak healing to your soul. For the Lord says, the days of pain are coming to an end. And the Lord says, I'm bringing you out. Yes, I can do it again. For you felt like it's too late and the devil said it's too late. But the Lord said, it's never too late. For the Lord says, am I not a reconciler? Am I not a restorer? For I am restoring the breach in your life that you may come forth as gold. My daughter, says the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is good. How many of you feel the refreshing? I know we've been in a battle for a while, but I just, this, t- t- tonight it says, the Lord, just get away with me. Come away with me. Come away. Amen. You know, we're called to be soldiers. But there's a time when God says, okay, it's time to rest. Amen. How many feel that? The, how many feel that rest of God, the wind of His Spirit just blowing upon you? Hallelujah. Amen. He is good, is He not? Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. just going to wait another minute.
Yeah, let's go ahead and sing a hallelujah. Let's go ahead and sing it. Hallelujah. Is there anybody having any kind of intestinal issues? I don't, that's just all I saw was, is that you? Okay. Come, come on up. Come on up. He showed me, uh, yeah. It's usually, <laughs> anyway, you're the first person he showed me, so intestinal issues. You got vertigo too? An intestinal thing? Okay, okay. Okay, everybody just stretch forth your hands. And just go lay hands. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we just break the curse of this infirmity right now in the name of Jesus. Father, this intestinal disorder, and Father, we just break the curse of vertigo 
offer her right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just command any demon behind that curse to leave her now, now, right now, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. I just command all vertigo, all dizziness, and every reason for it, I command it to go now, right now, right now, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. Father, I command these intestines to be healed in the name of Jesus. I break the curse of this infirmity in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. In the name of Jesus, I say be made whole right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Now just give him praise. Give him glory. Give him glory. Give him the glory. Give him the glory. Give him the glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're Jehovah Rapha. You're the God that heals. You're the God that heals. You're the God that heals. We give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Huh? You feel better? Yeah. Oh, here, let me let you talk. Here. All right. What's going? Tell me what's going on here. Go ahead. Go out to face the face the crowd, the camera. Lift the. You gotta hold it up. Yeah, it's been two yeah, right, right there. It, it's been two weeks Turn. that I have this vertigo and it connects with my you know, tummy. That I, yeah, yeah, and I have a problem with food, so I, you know. Yeah. So what's happening now? I feel okay. You feel, okay. I want to tell you that I have a lot of shirts. Okay. Neuropathy. Okay. In your feet. Is that is that you bothering you right now? Yes. It is. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna pray. I want you to sit right there. Come on, church. Come on. That's right. Yeah. Go ahead and sit right here, and I'm gonna take your shoes off. If you don't mind. You don't mind? You don't, okay? You don't want to take them off? That's fine. Here, let me just take your feet. Here. Yeah. So you got like neuropathy, or what do you got going on here? Pain. Okay. Being burning feet. Can I lay hands on them? Yeah. Let, 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 let's. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we break the curse, Father, of burning feet in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. Father, we command all nerve pain, we command it to go now, right now, in the name of Jesus. From the top of her head to the tip of her toes, Father, I command all pain. Father, all nerve pain in her hips, in her legs, Lord, and all fire, Lord, to go in the name of Jesus. All pain, all pain, we command it to go now, now. Now, right now, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be healed. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 How is that? 
They're feeling better. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell everybody. Yeah. Is that on? Yeah. Go ahead and speak into the mic. You got to hold it up. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel kind of relief. You got relief. Yes. Thank you, Lord. More, Lord. Pour it out. 100%, Father. We thank you, Lord. 100% healing. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for it. Full, full healing. Full manifestation. Full manifestation. Complete healing. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for it. Amen. God bless. Amen. Okay. Praise God. Well, Healing is on its way. It's here. Okay. Bring your daughter. Bring your friends. Granddaughter. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, praise God. All right. Well, I think we better get to the word. Amen. Worship team just keeps getting better and better. Does it not, church? Better and better. Thank you so much. Worship team, great job. Awesome. Thank you, thank you. All right. Well, if you have your manuals, <laughs> turn to page 30. We're going to, we can't, this is actually a 12-week course, 12-session 12 course. So I decided let's, let's just do the gifts of the Spirit. How does that sound? So the next four weeks, we're going to teach on how to move in the gifts of the Spirit. And then on the fourth um, on the fourth Wednesday night, we'll have activation and um, impartation that night. Uh, so praise the Lord. So let's get started. All right, so how many know that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, that is really the catalyst that enables you to move in the gifts of the Spirit? Does that make sense? So that's why it's so important to pray in the Spirit a lot. Pray in tongues a lot. If you want to stir up the gift of God that is within you, you pray in the Spirit a lot. Now, the gifts of the Spirit, now how many know there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit? But did you know that all nine except two operated in the Old Testament? The only two gifts of the Spirit that did not operate in the Old Testament is the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. All the other gifts, you can find them in the Old Testament as well. Amen? So let's go uh, to it. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, starting at... Actually, verse 7, it said, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given the word of wisdom. Say with me, word of wisdom. Through the Spirit, to another, word of knowledge. Say with me, word of knowledge. Through the same Spirit, to another, faith. Say with me, faith. By the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. By the same Spirit, to another, working of miracles. And another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of tongues. 
But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so how many know that the Holy Spirit is the administrator of the gifts of the Spirit? They were given to you as the Spirit wills. So how do you make the Spirit willing? How many know that there's things you can do that will make the Spirit willing? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. All right, so there's things we can do. The Holy Spirit says you've got to ask for it. Amen? It says in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Earnestly covet spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. The word covet in the scripture usually means something bad, right? Do not covet your neighbor's wife. Do not covet your neighbor's oxen, right? Covet is usually used for a term that's something that's not good. But in this case, he says to earnestly desire, but that word literally means covet. Earnestly covet spiritual gifts, but rather you may prophesy. So what is he saying here? We have to ask for the gifts. You have not because you ask not. So the Spirit's not willing if you're not willing. I got people in churches all the time who said, well, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But you go to those churches and there's no gifts operating at all. Okay. How many know there's a difference between a belief and a value? A belief is something that you mentally ascend to and say, okay, I believe in that. But a value means you actually practice it. If you value the gifts of the Spirit, you actually practice them. That's the difference. Amen? So one of the things we can do is earnestly covet these spiritual gifts. The Bible says to pursue love. Remember? Pursue love and earnestly covet spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14.1. So the reason why that we need to pursue love is because we have the right motives in operating in the gifts, right? Pursue love. And how many know that love is the first fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. So we are to pursue love so that we have the motivation of Christ. How many know that Jesus was moved with compassion? Every time he moved in the gifts, he was moved with compassion. So it's very important that we have the compassion of the Lord or the burden of the Lord because it's that burden that will bring purity to the gift that you're operating in. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're not always perfected. And, you know, there's, there's a school of thought that says that you've got to be perfected in the fruit of the Spirit before you can move in the gifts. I believe you, they need to grow up together. As you grow in the fruit, God will give you more gifts, and they're to grow up together in the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. Does that make sense? That's why he says, pursue love and earnestly covet spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. All right. Another thing, it says, if you move in the gifts of the Spirit, seek to edify the church. So our, our motivation always should be to have compassion, amen, and always to bless the church, amen. Not to say, oh, I'm moving the gifts, look at me. I'm some peacock. Look at my wonderful feathers. Don't I look wonderful? How many of those days are over? Because everyone should be moving into gifts. How many ministers do we have here tonight? Every hand should go up. Amen? Because why is the five-fold ministry there? He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Number one, 
for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Okay, so if we're not equipping you, we're not discipling you, then I we failed. Amen? But what the body of Christ is emphasized is the edifying of the body of Christ. So everybody leaves edified, but nobody's moving in any gifts. And how many know that a gospel without gifts is like going fishing with no bait? Amen? Because all you're in for is an argument. Because Paul said, I didn't come to you, and my preaching was not with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but it was in the demonstration of the power and the spirit that your faith would not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. You need demonstrations of power in your ministry. Yes, your ministry. Well, I'm not in the ministry. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. If you're a minister, you have a ministry. Amen? And so to minister, you have to have power. Notice when Jesus, before he sent his disciples out, what did he do? He laid hands on them, and he gave them power and authority to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Amen? So that's what we're about doing here, because you need an impartation of gifting and begin to operate. That's why we have impartation and activation. How many know there's four different stages of discipleship? Number one is indoctrination. Most discipleship programs begin and end with teaching. And how many know that's just one-fourth of the equation? All right, so we have indoctrination or teaching. Then we have demonstration. That's what we had just here. Demonstration of a few gifts moving, gifts of prophecy, a word of knowledge, some healing going on. Amen? So we have a demonstration. So you know this is how you do it. Okay? But then there's an impartation. Paul says in Romans, I think it's chapter 1, verse 10 or 11. I can't remember which. I think it's Romans 1, verse 10 or 11. I can't. Maybe somebody look it up for me. And Paul said, I long to come to you. I mean, it says, my heart's desire, my passion to come to you that I might impart some spiritual gift that you may be established. For you to be established in your ministry, there needs to be an impartation of spiritual gifts. I know it's happened in my life. There's people who have laid hands on me, and I literally felt the gift going in. And after that, I, there was a difference. I could do things I couldn't do before. Amen? So there's impartations and there's mantles that God wants you to begin to operate in. Amen? All right. So of the nine gifts of the Spirit, they're usually broken down in three different categories. There's revelation gifts, declaration gifts, and demonstration gifts. Now, I name these a little bit different because how many know that prophets are like snowflakes? Everyone's a little bit different. Amen? You ever hear that one? You know, every snowflake, is they're all different. And so I named it a little bit different. I call them revelation gifts, declaration gifts, and demonstration gifts. Revelation gifts. They include word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. So everything within the realm of knowledge, whether past, present, or future, whether natural or supernatural, whether divine or satanic, of, or of human in origin, everything in the realm of knowledge can be revealed by the Holy Spirit through one of these spiritual gifts. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Does that make sense? All right. So number one, we're going to go over the word of knowledge. 
It's a supernatural knowledge. It's not natural knowledge. A word of knowledge is supernatural knowledge from God about a person or situation that was not gained through natural means. It was revealed by the Holy Spirit. It can, a word of knowledge can come many different ways. It can come through an inward revelation. It can come through a vision. It can come through a dream, an audible voice, or even a messenger angel. You can get a word of knowledge. Now, I haven't put this in this book. This was written in 2021, but I'm probably going to be updating it at some point. Because it's one thing to operate in the word of knowledge. It's another thing to have the spirit of knowledge rest upon you. And we're going to give you some example of that in Scripture, in Jesus' case. But how many know we can have everything that Jesus had? He said, greater works you shall do because I go to my Father. Amen? So if Jesus had the spirit of knowledge resting upon on him, we can have that too. So we want to ask for a word of knowledge. In fact, I ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit every day. And part of my prayer time, I ask to be used in gifts. You have not because you ask not, right? So the word of knowledge is super revela- supernatural revelation from God about either something that's happened in the past or something that's happening right now. Okay? So it's about the, something that happened in the past or something that's happening right now. That's what a word of Knowledge reveals. All right, so let me give you a couple of examples of this. And actually, I brought this up a few weeks ago, but um, the king of Syria was very frustrated because every time he made a move against Israel, it was thwarted. They already knew what he was going to do beforehand. And so the king of Syria thought, well, there must be a traitor in our midst. Is there a traitor in our midst? And one of his servants rose up and said, 2 Kings verse six, chapter 6, verse 12, one of his servants said, O king, Eli- o king Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So Elisha, he wasn't in the king of Syria's bedroom. How do you know that? But he had access to what he was saying by the Spirit of God. And so he got these words of knowledge, and he told his king, king of Israel, hey, this is what the the king of Syria is about to do. And he actually brought protection against, you know, the Syrians. All right. Here's another example of a word of knowledge of Jesus with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And verse 17, Jesus said, um, hey, go call your husband. She says, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband, and that you truly spoke. And she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So this was a word of knowledge about her situation. But we find out later in Scripture that she went on to say, she went back into the town. She said, come meet a man that has showed me all things that I ever did. How many know that all things wasn't just her marital situation? It was everything. He had the spirit of knowledge resting on him, and she, he began to delineate the things that have happened in her life to the point where she had to go run and tell somebody about it. And so record shows in that passage that he goes into that Samaritan town, spends a few days there, 
And he basically does the same thing because there's no record of any healings, no record of any demons being cast out. But at the end of his visit, the entire Samaritan city believed that he was the Christ. Why? Because he had the spirit of knowledge resting upon him. And they came and they told the lady, he said, hey, we don't believe because what you said, her testimony, no, we've heard him and we know he's the Christ. Why? Because the spirit of knowledge rested upon him. He began to tell details about every one of their lives. How many know if we had that kind of gifts of the spirit operating, how many people would get saved? Every one of them. Amen. You know, it's interesting. I've been doing a little studying. I'm writing this book on wisdom right now. Been working on that last couple of days. And, you know, when, when Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, I'm going to give them their Chaldean names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but how many know that wasn't their original names? But anyway, so, so, so Judah came under captivity under Babylonians, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, and he said, I want you to gather all these really smart and good-looking Hebrew boys. I'm going to train them for three years. I want to teach them the ways of the Chaldeans. How many know Daniel and the three boys were part of that group? And so after three years of training these guys, uh, it said in the scripture there that the Lord gave Daniel and these four men wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. It wasn't human wisdom. It was supernatural wisdom. And so guess what? After three years, they had an interview with King Nebuchadnezzar. You can go read about it. And this was his conclusion. He said, I have found these four boys to be 10 times smarter than the magicians, the astrologers, and all these sorcerers. And, that, and you know, this should be happening today. Everybody's wanting to go to a psychic. Yeah. They should be coming to the church. You know, in fact, when you give a word of knowledge, you got people in the church that says, you must be psychic. So they've equated supernatural knowledge, and they equate it with psychic phenomenon instead of the prophets of God and the prophetic people of the church. Isn't that a shame? So Daniel had 10 times the wisdom than these all other guys. We should have at least 10 times or more. There should be no competition whatsoever because, you know, 10 times is 10 times, right? So it tells me that we're falling short of asking God for more, right? That wasn't in your notes. But I'm having a good time. Anyway. So how about this? Uh, you know, Ananias, uh, he got a word of knowledge, a very detailed word of knowledge. This is not the Ananias that died. This is a different Ananias. And he was just a disciple. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a prophet. He was just a regular disciple. And the Lord spoke to him. He said, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. That's a pretty detailed word of knowledge. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. Hey, that's me. <laughs> Coming in and putting his hand on him that he may receive his sight. So he had direct instruction from the Lord, a word of knowledge. Actually, it was you know, more than just a word on what to do, but he raised an objection. He said, well, I know this Saul. He's killing all kind of people. I don't want to go see him. 
And the Lord says, no, I have prepared him. I'm preparing him for a work that I'm going to do in him. And so how many know it really worked out really good? He laid hands on him. Scales fell off of his eyes. He got healed and filled with the Holy Ghost all in one shot. It was wonderful. We need to see more of that in the church. Amen. All right. There's a couple other examples there, but we're going to move on. All right. So word of knowledge is supernatural knowledge about things that have happened or things that are presently happening. Okay. In contrast with the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is like the word of knowledge in that it is supernatural knowledge received by the Holy Spirit through an inward revelation, a dream, a vision, an audible voice, messenger, angel. I just love the still small, uh, still small voice. And I like, you know, a lot of times when I get stuff, it's a glimpse. It's just a flash. It's just a flash. I get a picture. That's it. People say, oh, you get some audible voice. Nope. Never heard the audible voice of God. It's impressions. You just, I'm just operating on impressions. Most, most of the time, or I get a quick, quick flash vision, something happening, or something somebody said, um, or so, uh, I'll see a picture in it, and the Lord says somebody had a dream about this, or something like that. Um, you know, but you just give yourself to it. Amen? All right. So the difference between a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom is that the word of wisdom reveals God's plans and his purposes. In other words, words of wisdom reveal the future. Okay? Do we have scripture for that? Yes, we do. New Testament scripture. He says that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth, and he will show you or tell you things to come. That's future. Amen? So if anybody told you that prophetic ministry doesn't tell you the future, they're wrong. It's not the primary purpose for New Testament prophetic ministry, because that is to edify, exhort, and comfort. But prophetic ministry and prophecy can reveal the future, what is to come. Does that make sense? All right. Let me give you some examples. Because God wants to reveal his plans and his purposes, right? It says in Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of peace, amen, and not of evil to give you what? A future and a hope, amen? So he knows the plans, but you need to know the plan. It's not good for him to know the plan. You need to know it, right? It says in First Corinthians somewhere, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for those who love him. People stop reading. Well, I guess we can't know what God's called us to do, right? When we stop reading, the next verse, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, I think it is. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Amen? The Holy Spirit wants to show you God's plans, and he does that through a word of wisdom. Amen? He'll show you things to come. Let me give you an example, an Old Testament word of wisdom. Noah received a word of wisdom concerning the peril and future judgment of the world through a flood. And he gave him explicit instructions on how to build the ark. And he showed him what was going to happen. And he gave him words of knowledge on, this is what I want you to do right now. I want you to build this ark. Showed him what he's going to do. 
How about Joseph? Joseph had a series of dreams when he was a very young man. God showed him and revealed his destiny on how he was going to arise into greatness. Amen? He also later on, when uh, the king had dreams he could not interpret, that God gave him the information, word of wisdom about what was going to happen with the seven fat cows and the seven lean cows, remember? It's like a word of knowledge or a word, it's a word of wisdom operating to show you what was going to happen. Amen? So that happened through a dream and an interpretation of dream. A lot of this stuff works together. People want to separate them all out, but I'm going to show you in a minute how word of knowledge, word of wisdom are often, oftentimes operate with the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is the delivery system. So words of knowledge and words of wisdom ride on prophecy. Prophecy is the delivery system. Does that make sense? All right. All right, let's let's go on to discerning of spirits. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. It's a spiritual gift that gives you divine insight into the spirit world by seeing or hearing in the spirit realm. Discerning of spirits brings divine revelation and it enables you to distinguish between the operation of four different kinds of spirits. The Holy Spirit, angels, humans, and the demonic. All right, those four different realms. Discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion. Or criticism to pick out people's character flaws. Amen? Discerning of spirits is not just restricted to seeing demons. It kind of bothers me when I I run into people that all they see is demons. Well, it's like, well, do you ever see angels? (laughs) You know? Do you ever see, I have a vision of heaven? Amen? So discerning of spirits includes the Holy Spirit-inspired visions of Jesus, angels, and the Father. Seeing in the spirit realm is literally you see in the spirit realm. Now, let me give you some examples. Moses, while he's on Mount Horeb, he was permitted to see the similitude of God, the Father, in the spirit through the discerning of spirits. And the Lord says, you will not see my face, for no man shall see my face and live. But I'll have you stand over here. My glory passes by. I put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll cover you with my hand as I pass by. Then you will, I will take away my hand. You shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. So how many know that the Lord opened his eyes so we could see the Lord's back? Amen? Let me give you another example. Isaiah. I quote the scripture all the time. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So in that vision, he saw angels. Amen? And what were they doing? Crying, holy, holy, holy. Oh, there's an example. It's on your screen. Amen. So he saw the angels. He actually interacted with the angels. And he saw the uh, angel with a coal fire from the altar. Amen. Cleansed his lips. I wonder if that really hurt or not. You know, I, I probably did. I don't know. But he actually was having a heavenly experience in a vision he was discerning, was operating discerning of spirits because he actually saw angels 
Amen? It says he saw the Lord high and lifted up. He even saw the Lord. He had an encounter with heaven. Amen? He said, woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king. He's actually saw the Lord. We need to have encounters like that. Amen? Here's another example. When Elisha had his servant with him, they were going against the Syrian army, and they said, all these people coming against, all this huge army coming against them, and his servants started to get worried. And Elisha He's just kind of taking it easy. He's chilling, you know, because he knows what's going on in the spirit. He he knows all these angels are here to fight for them. And so Elijah prayed that the Lord would open the spiritual eyes of his servant. And he said here, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. There was a whole army there. And so the Lord opened his eyes, so he was actually operating, discerning of spirits. You actually see the spirits. You see them, or you hear them. You, you, you have an encounter with them. Amen? John the Baptist, when Jesus was being baptized, he saw something. Amen? He said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained on Jesus. So actually discerning a Spirit, John the Baptist saw the Spirit descending on him. John, in the book of Revelation, saw the Father. He saw the 24 elders. He saw the seven spirits of God. He saw the four living creatures. He had an encounter with heaven and his discerning of spirits. He saw actually what was going on. Amen? All right. So let me just give you an example, kind of a point of clarification. If you're ministering deliverance to somebody, you don't actually have to see the demon to know it's there. Okay? You can get it through... Uh, the word of knowledge. You just know. It's just a word of knowledge. A lot of these, like I said, these gifts run together. You don't even have to know what it is. God showed you, right? You know what it is. You were able to discern it. It can just be the, even the inward witness of the Spirit. How many know we're supposed to be led by the Spirit? You don't have to have nine gifts of the Spirit working to be led and walk in the Spirit, Right? A lot of times it's just an inward witness. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule the umpire in your heart. So peace of God. You have, oh, I got a peace. That's good enough for me. If I don't have a peace, that that tells you something too. Amen? All right. So these are the three revelation gifts. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Now let's go into the declaration gifts. The declaration gifts include the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. The declaration gifts are also known as utterance gifts or gifts of inspiration. Let's talk about the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is a divine message in a known tongue or the common language of the people. In Hebrew, the meaning of prophesy is to flow 
or spring forth or bubble up like a fountain. It's actually a word, the Hebrew word is called nabi. Now, I'm a nabi prophet. A nabi prophet, it just flows out of you. It's just a prophetic, you just, it's a prophetic flow. Does that make sense? It just flows. You don't know what you're going to say next. It just comes out. It's almost like speaking in tongues. You, you, when you develop a gift, a prophecy to the point, it, it's almost like speaking in tongues. You just, you just prophesy according to the measure of your faith. So every, all can prophesy. Remember the Bible says you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged, right? And so when you prophesy, if you prophesy, prophesy according to the measure of your faith. Don't prophesy according to the measure of my faith. According to the measure of your faith, but you all should be prophesying. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. The Greek word for prophecy means to speak for another or to speak for God. In fact, Paul says to earnestly covet spiritual gifts, but especially that you prophesy. Why? Why is that? Because prophecy will encourage and set a mark for your life where no other gift will do that. And how many know sometimes you just need a mark set that you'll run towards the mark? Because hopelessness is the plague of the masses. And if you have no hope, you're not going anywhere. And so prophecy gives you hope because it edifies, it comforts, it sets a mark, and encourages like no other gift. That's why he says to use that gift. Edify, exhort, and comfort. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Of course, edify, exhort, and comfort. The word edify means to enlighten or educate. That's what it means, to enlighten or educate. Exhort means to encourage or to warn, and comfort means to console or to reassure. 1 Corinthians 14.3, But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Again, you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. It's not reserved just for prophets. We all can prophesy. Amen. Also, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is another vehicle by which we can prophesy. Spontaneous singing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we're up here and they'll break into a prophetic song. It wasn't memorized. It was, the Holy, it was Holy Spirit birth. A lot of times it's very simple songs. But they're actually prophesying in song. You can prophesy on the instruments. He even talks about it in scripture, about prophesying on the instruments. Amen. Paul said, Be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When he's talking about spiritual songs, he's not talking about an old hymn book with old spirituals in it. He's talking about spirit birth, prophetic songs. It could be songs of deliverance, songs of healing. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Prophecies. Let's talk a little bit about prophecies that reveals God's plans, his purposes. In other words, reveal the future. Again, the gift of prophecy primarily in the New Testament is to edify, exhort, or comfort. But when coupled with the word of wisdom, you can reveal the future through a prophetic word. 
So declaration gifts are the vehicle for revelation gifts. So revelation gifts are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. The declaration gifts, tongues, interpretation, or prophecy is the delivery system for the revelation gifts. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's talk a little bit about absolute prophecies and conditional prophecies. All right. Absolute prophecies and promises are solely dependent on the sovereign Lord to be realized, regardless of human interaction or demonic opposition. Listen now. Promises are delivered by the Lord himself, whereas prophecies are delivered through prophets. Does that make sense? Promises are delivered by God. Prophecies are delivered by prophets. Now, let me give you some examples. Here's an absolute promise given by the Lord to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, for your family and from your household land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. It's an absolute promise. There was no conditions on it. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in all the families of the earth you shall be blessed. There was no conditions on that prophecy. Abraham was the guy. Does that make sense? It was an absolute promise from the Lord. And of course it happened. Let me give you an example of an absolute prophecy. It's a word delivered by a prophet by the name of Joel. It was an absolute prophecy regarding the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was fulfilled 800 years later on the day of Pentecost. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall be see visions. And also on my men, saving, men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. It was an absolute prophecy. It was going to happen no matter what. And, of course, it did 800 years later on Pentecost. So these are absolute things that God in his sovereignty is going to make happen. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No conditions. This is going to happen. All right? In contrast with conditional prophecies, conditional promises and conditional prophecies are realized when certain requirements are met. This should have been talked about a few years ago during the presidential election. All right? (laughs) In other words, the fulfillment of conditional promises or prophecies is dependent on certain factors. Conditional promises and prophecies oftentimes begin with the word if, I-F. Say with me, if. And are followed by the word then. It's a condition. They use this in computer language. If you're a computer person and you write code, they call it if and then statements. If you do this, then you get that. Does that make sense? All right. So the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, giving him a conditional promise. Because a promise comes from the Lord himself, right? 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. 
This is a conditional promise. If, search with the word if. Say with me if. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So he tells them, if you will do these four things, then, say with me, then. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I'll hear their land. It's a, it's a conditional promise. Amen? And how many know that God gave America that conditional promise, what, probably 40 years ago, 50 years ago now? Amen? A similar word was given as a conditional promise to Zechariah. It's recorded in, actually it was, actually it was given in the book of Zechariah, but it was given to the, to the priest Joshua. Correction. This was a conditional promise given to Joshua through the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua. It's just recorded there, but it was given through the angel of the Lord, which is the pre-incarnate Christ, right? Admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If, say with me, if, if you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my commanded, then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Okay. So it's a conditional promise, and the good news is, is Joshua fulfilled the conditions. And if you continue reading in Zechariah, you see that there was judgments released out of the courts of heaven. There were scrolls released out of heaven, judgments, because he actually did what God told him to do, and so it was fulfilled. All right. A conditional prophecy was given by Samuel, at Saul's coronation. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 14. This is the word of the Lord that he gave to Saul. First Samuel 12, 14. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. All right. So Samuel's conditional, actually this was a conditional prophecy to Israel as a nation. Samuel's conditional prophecy to Israel is followed by a conditional judgment. 1 Samuel 12, 15. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and it will be against your fathers. Jeremiah prophesied a similar conditional judgment to Israel. Conditional judgment had the connotation of repent or else. Now, a lot of people think that's only in the Old Testament, right? Most people think that, right? Repent or else. That's Old Testament, right, prophet? No. New Testament. Prove it. I will. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. He's talking to the church of Ephesus. Repent and do the first works or else. I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I know that God's issuing that 
conditional judgment to the church today. Certain churches. That if you not repent, those that have been ordained by God, written in their book. How many know that? Not only people have books written in heaven, but churches do too. Cities do. Nations do. Books in heaven. It's written in their book that they were that their lampstand would be lit. But how many know that because of sin and iniquity and compromise, that God says, if you do not repent of your compromise, then I will extinguish your lampstand. You understand that? Let me give you another example. The church of Sardis, Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard... Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour that I come to you. So there was a conditional judgment. How many know that's that's New Testament? All right. I'm going to put pedal to the metal here. We're going to get through this. All right. All right. How many know that there's four factors that impact prophecy fulfillment? There's four factors. Number one, the divine factor. We know that God has an overarching plan to fulfill his purposes. He's sovereign. Amen. And most absolute prophecies and most absolute promises that he gives... No, not most, all of them. They will come to pass. They're going to come to pass. Amen? Let me give you an example like Messianic prophecies. In the Old Testament, talked about Jesus and his coming. How many of those are absolute? They happen. They happen. They're absolute. They're the divine factor. How many of there is instances where God changes his mind? How about Hezekiah? A lot of times, that's the destiny of individuals. He will change his mind based on their response to him. Amen? Just like King Hezekiah. Isaiah went into him and he said, um, hey, pack up your bags. You're going home. <laughs> it means you're, you're going to die. <laughs> Set your house in order. Amen? You're, you're, you're going on to glory. What happened? He turned his face to the wall and he wept before the Lord. As Isaiah was leaving, leaving the court, the Lord stopped him. He said, go back. He wept bitterly before the Lord, reminding, of, reminding the Lord of the truth, loyalty, and goodness he had served him. The Lord changed his mind. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah in the courtyard and he returned, he said, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days 15 years. you got 15 more years. Amen. So even though God's sovereign, there was times when, when, when the human response moves the heart of God and changes, changes his mind. How many of you realize that can happen? It happened right here. All right, so we have the divine factor, number two, the human factor especially regarding the plans and purposes of individual lives. How many of you know that just because God's wrote it in his book doesn't mean it's going to happen? You've got to cooperate with it, right? 
You have a part to play. If you do not obey, you will not fulfill what God has said. They're dependent on your cooperation. Conditional promises, conditional prophecies are evidence that mankind's choices are a primary factor in fulfilling a prophecy. It, what you do matters. God is sovereign, but if you do not work with God, it's not going to happen in your life. Does that make sense? Look, look at the life of Solomon. He was doing great, and then he rebelled against the Lord. He got all these concubines from other countries and began to serve other gods, and his wisdom was corrupted. didn't have to be that way. But it came to the point where the Lord says, you know, I've had enough. I gotta, I'm gonna, you haven't obeyed me. You've strayed from the faith. I'm going to strip your kingdom away from you. And so the Lord actually gave the ten tribes of Israel, gave them to his servant, Jeroboam. And did you know that Jeroboam received a conditional promise from the Lord of greatness? It was a prophecy given. It actually was a conditional prophecy delivered by, you know, I haven't heard of this prophet, Ahijah. Ahijah. I'm probably not saying it right. A-H-I-J-A-H. Ahijah. Whatever. This is the prophecy. Jeroboam. Does that name ring a bell? Jeroboam? We're going to find out who Jeroboam was. All right. 1 Kings chapter 11. This was the prophecy. I will take you. You shall reign over all your heart's desires, and you shall be king over Israel. Then it shall be if, say with me, if, you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and commandments, as my servant David did, then I will beat you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. But how many of you know that Jeroboam's reign did not endure? In fact, he was one of the most wicked kings. In fact, every other king that came after him, they measured him against this, that they repeated the sins of Jeroboam. You just go look, it's like 27 times. So the king wasn't righteous before the Lord. No, he walked in the sins of Jeroboam. He was the sin standard for the rest of the kings, including Ahab. Yeah. The reason why he was so wicked is because he instituted Baal worship in Israel. And so uh, because they... You know, he didn't want to go to Judah. That's, that's where the temple was. That's where we we're supposed to do the sacrifice. Temple. I don't want to go there. I'm going to start my own thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it in Bethel and Dan. And so what did he do? He started worshiping idols. They set up golden calves in Bethel and Dan. Began to worship. He put those two words together. You know, Dan means judgment. Bethel means house of God. Judgment in the house of God. It didn't go well with Jeroboam. The reason why it was so wicked is because he instituted Baal worship in Israel. Yeah, no less than 24 times that his wickedness, all, all the other kings were me- measured against him. 
So most foretelling prophecies outside of Scripture are conditional and will not be fulfilled without the agreement and collaboration of those whom the prophecy is given. Does that make sense? All right. So we've got the divine factor, the human factor. Number three, we've got the demonic factor. All right. Remember when Paul said something to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18? This charge I commit to you, this command, the charge is a command. I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by then you may wage the good warfare. Why would he need to wage a warfare if it was a done deal? No, he had to fight for his prophecy, and so do you. You've got to wage warfare with the prophetic words. That's why we should write them down. That's why we should declare them back to the Lord. That's why we should decree them. Amen? You've got to wage war with your prophecy. Why? Because the devil is waging war against you. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? Jesus comes, you may have life and have it more abundantly, but you've got to wage warfare with the prophecies. Amen? We got people here all the time. Romans 8, 28. Well, you know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Well, those are all the called, called according to his purpose. How many know the devil's not working for your good? That scripture is taken completely out of context. All things aren't working for your good. The devil's not working for your good. He's talking about all things working together with intercessory prayer. If you read the verses ahead of that, it's talking about intercessory prayer. All these things working together work for God's good. The devil's not working for your good. Amen. That's why you got to wage warfare with the prophecy that have been given. Because if you don't, you just like that. Oh, well, if it's God, it'll happen. Nope. No, you got to wage warfare with it. You got to step into it. You got to fight for it. Why did the Bible say fight the good fight of faith? Because there is a fight. You got to fight for your word. Amen. He's like, oh, my lover, not a fighter. Well, you're going to lose. You're going to lose and you're going to lose big. Amen. There's a place for loving and a time for loving. There's a time to fight. And this is a time we got to fight for our state. Arizona. Amen. We're going to wage warfare with the prophecy, the prophetic words. That's why we keep bringing the prophetic words up over and over and over again. Why? Because you need to hear them so you can wage warfare with them. Amen? That's why we're here. We didn't move out here for the weather. We moved out here by a prophetic word on December 19, 1995 at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's why I'm here. Told us to move here. And it has not been easy. And I'm sure it hasn't been easy for you either. Amen? Well, once you resolve in your heart that you're here for a purpose, you will war and you will not quit. We're not here to start a nice little church. We are here for glory and an awakening. I'm not here because I had nothing better to do. I'm here on assignment. Are you? Well, you got to make sure you are. Know that you are because the devil will knock you out if you're not sure you're here by assignment. You know? We can't be here by choice. You know, because I prefer the weather. Oh, they got lots of nice jobs in Phoenix. No. Because if you're called to do damage, damage to the enemy's camp and actually expand the kingdom of God, you need to know that you're called here by God or you will faint in the day of adversity. You will. Yeah. 
You got you got to know. You got to know. You, you there's no there's no quit. There is no quit. There is no plan B for us. This is it. There ain't no plan B. Oh well, well you know we'll go to North Carolina. Nope. We'll just go somewhere else. There is no plan B. You can't plan the game. You got to play the game to win. And so when he sets a mark, you go for that mark. You don't settle for second best and cop out and give up. You can't. You can't. Because the word's conditional. And I'll tell you, the higher the call, the bigger the battle. The harder the wilderness, the greater the adversity, the more tax. Amen? I'm speaking out of experience, okay? You just can't quit. Paul didn't quit. Why do you think God could use Paul? Because he wouldn't quit. He wasn't a real smart guy. There's no quit in him. That's why he could do so much through him. God's not looking for your great talent, you know, your oratory skills. No, he's looking for a dog that will fight and not quit. Does that make sense? This is not in your notes. I figure I preached to you a little while. Is it okay? Yeah. Here's a little bit of encouragement to you. We're all in this together, amen? Let's fight, the, let's fight the battle together. The battle's not in here, guys. The battle's out there. All right? Just remember that. Amen? All right. The demonic factor. He's going to do everything he can. It's not, um, okay, number four. So we got four different factors. The divine factor, the human factor, the demonic factor, and the time factor. 2 Timothy, verse 1 and 9, chapter, chapter 1, verse 9, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Say with me, before time began. And in your book, they all were written the days you had fashioned for me, when yet there was none of them. He wrote a book in heaven. Got your name on it. It's got the pages of your life written out in it. But it's no good doing it in heaven. That's why you need to ask for your book. You ask for your scroll and ask that the Lord would engrave that which is written in heaven and engrave it on the tablets of your heart. And he does that over time. Amen. And there is a season for every part of your book to be fulfilled. There's an appointed time. Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Say with me, appointed time. Appointed time is a specific time. An appointed time is a kairos time. That means a now time, an appointed time. It's an appointed time. That's why you need the anointing of the sons of Issachar. They knew the times and seasons. Okay? That's why you need the spirit of counsel. The spirit of knowledge tells you what is the hope of his calling. The spirit of counsel tells you the plans and purposes of God, how he's going to bring it to pass. The spirit of knowledge reveals what God wants to do. The spirit of counsel reveals how and when he's going to do it. Amen? I don't know about you. I pray, about, I pray for the anointing of the sons of Israel all the time. Why? Because it's a spirit of counsel. 
You need to have the spirit of counsel so you know how and when. That way, or how, and yeah, and when. That way you don't get frustrated. I wish I had the spirit of counsel 15 years ago. I was trying to do things then when I'm supposed to be doing now. How many know you get frustrated when things aren't moving? Amen? Let me give you an example of time and how the devil plays with time. How many know the devil tries to delay time? He tries to mess up time. He plays with time. Even with an absolute prophecy. Let me give you an example. How many know that absolute prophecies must come true? They will come true. But how many know the devil will even play with time to make the fulfillment come later? Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example out of Scripture. The Lord gave an absolute promise to Abraham regarding the descendants released from the bondage of Egypt. The promise specified a season of 400 years. Say it with me, 400 years. 400 years of bondage before they would be released. All right. If you look in Genesis chapter 15, that's where the promise is. Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. Genesis 15, verse 13. However, it was 430 years later that they were released from bondage. Fast forward, Exodus chapter 12. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years on that very same day, it came to pass that the armies of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. All right. So even though it was an absolute prophecy that 400 years later this was going to happen, the devil has a way of messing up with time, messing time, so it can't happen 430 years later. It did happen, but it was 30 years late. All right. All right, we got, a, we got a prophetic word. I'm closing with this so you can be happy. I'm going a little long. You forgive me, though, right? I'm going to wrap it. Put a bow on it. Now, we have a prophecy in waiting that was given in 1910 by the gentleman on your screen, William J. Seymour, He's leader of the Azusa Street Revival, 106. 1906 to 1909. And it was regarding a prophetic word that he gave in 1910. He said there would be another revival like the Azusa Street Revival that would cover the globe, involve the entire body of Christ, and will not end until the Lord returned. The time frame for the prophecy, the exact words, were fulfilled in about 100 years. How many know the word about is really important there? In about 100 years, because how many know 2010 came and gone and we didn't experience the revival yet? And how many know that the enemy's extended time, but we're right on the cusp of it right now? Amen? I don't know about you, but I've... I'm born for this, and so are you. I want you to say, I was born for revival. I was born for awakening. I was born for such a time as this. Amen? Everybody stand. Praise God. Did you enjoy that?
Praise God. All right. Praise the Lord. We'll clap for Jesus. It's all his stuff, right? We could have the ministry team come on up. Ministry team, come on up. You need special prayer tonight.